Hey everybody, welcome to Scotch for Dummies, Thursday, Thursday night. Tonight we're going to be talking about whiskey, Scotch whiskey production and the three main ingredients, which is water, yeast, and barley. Going to get into it in detail, stay tuned. Hey guys, it is Scotch for Ducks and the Scotch for Dummies. Four guys in the Scotch journey help you with your next Scotch purchase. I'm Drew. I'm Andrew. I'm Mark. And Sean is not here. I'm Sean! I'm Sean. <laughs> hey, Sean! Sean's not here tonight. He, maybe he joins us later. Hopefully he joins us later. But if not, we're going to cover down. Yeah, since since there's not four dummies, we're going to do Scotch with dummies today. With so dummies. bring you all in and bring... and. Um, Provide your comments, let us know additional information. But for those podcast listeners, we're going to talk about three ingredients of yes. Scotch whiskey, what it takes to make the whiskey, so the barley, the yeast, and the water, and we're going to get your down barley, to your yeast, and water. Thanks. <laughs> I want to be I'll be the dummy. <laughs> yeah. uh, and don't forget, we're going to talk about our review this week as well, yes. which was, I believe, the Shivas 18. Shivas 18. Shivas 18. Do we even have a bottle of We didn't bring it over. Oh. But we can talk through it. All right, we so we'll have to drink the... We drink one of these. That was stupid. The JGT, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay. <laughs> but no, um, so let's kick off the Shivas 18. Um, you know, uh, it was a pretty, pretty good dram. I think we, I'm going to pull the score real quick and double check it, but we actually really enjoyed it. So, um, I mean, we talked about it not too long ago, and we actually got into some Shivas, um, multiple bottles of Shivas, a while back in our journey. I mean, we're five years in now, so this was like two and a half, three years in. I remember we, we had a bottle of Shivas Altus. Um, I think we had a bottle of 12. We might have had a bottle of 18 at the time. And so it's not the first time we've, you know, ran across the bottle. Mm -hmm. um, I, I like I like Shivas. Honestly, I like Shivas more than I thought I would before I was introduced to it, right? I was a Johnny Walker guy. Yeah. So I was always, oh, Shivas, that's, that's the competitor. But you know what? They put out a really good quality product, and it's enjoyable. Yeah, and I think we found over the last few years that the – um, some of these blended scotches are not as bad as you think they would be. You know, right. so there are some that are really bad, and, and uh, I will tell you that up front. But some of the the age statement doers and Chivas and Johnny Walkers, really, they do their best to create a whiskey that kind of hits everybody's palate. I mean, it's it's not it's not going to be too too peated. It's not going to be too sweet. It's just kind of this middle of the road scotch that has a good balance of flavors. And they do a good job at it. You know, I mean, if you want to take it to the end of the spectrum and show, you know, what a, what blends really can do, you, you open up a compass box, right? They're really pushing the envelope of. True. Of, but honestly, some of these blends, like the Chivas and, and the Johnny Walkers and whatnot, you know, like you said, they're hitting a, a, a wide palette that's approachable. It's enjoyable. No, it's not going to blow your mind or wow you. Although the the Chivas 18, I think, is pretty damn good is. for the it price is. point nice that it comes in at. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, good everyday drinker. Right. I, there's a few other Chivas that I wouldn't mind really spending some time with. I'm, I'm actually curious about the one they made for that football team. I just, you know, oh, I, the, I mean, the, thir the 13 year old <laughs> for what for United, Manchester United, Man U, yeah, yeah, I mean, come on, right? yeah, yeah. You kind of want to get a bottle just to say. I think they have a bottle over at Payless. Mm -hmm. um, really? I think I saw a bottle of it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, there. They, so Manchester United has more fans in the U.S. than they do in Manchester. So that's they only released that bottle in the U.S., which is kind of odd. Makes sense. <laughs> so when we do finally go storm the beaches over there, Scotch, we need to take a couple bottles of it because hey, would you like to try this? Like, what's this? I've never seen this. Yeah. What is this stuff? Never had yeah. it so, so you know, what were some of the comments on this review? So I don't remember what what did we said the price was for that. Did somebody recall? 
Because uh, uh, I think it was like eighty or 80 I, I want to say it was eighty bucks. 80, yeah, eighty yeah. or eighty-nine. So one of the guys says it was a hundred in Chicago. Um, a lot of people are agreeing with us that they, they also agree that's a good scotch as well. Um, Sean, yes, I messed up Sean's writing on that one. Uh, and then sometimes we get questions that are interesting, like this one. It says, "Why do all uh, reviewers of whiskey?" Talk, you know, like gra like grain is a bad thing. Completely fair question. And you know, I don't. I think because a lot of us drink single malts, we don't get in the grains that much. But we have learned just through our journey that there's some really good grain whiskey out there. And John Glazier is a really good advocate of. He's sure. a big fan of. He is. The thing about grain whiskey is typically the they're distilled in, in like a column still or a coffee still, and so it strips out most of the flavor out of it. So it's not really rich and flavorful like some of the malt whiskeys, and that, that's really the reason. You can still do lots of things with aging and barreling and, and different barrel finishes and things like that. So you can still bring it up, but it's just generally a really light, you know, cotton candy sweet uh, kind of kind of whiskey, and so it doesn't have that punch that, like I like in my rich, you know, peated whiskeys and things. So I'll say this, though, if you want to talk about the grains. and what, The grains that you're getting in these blends are not matured aged grains that you might get in a single grain you get some single grains some 30 year old single well, grain yeah. and you're like wow that I mean, is really my eyes are open what wow, grain has something to offer that's not what they're putting in blends let's be honest well i mean that shivers 18 has got to be an 18 year old grain sure yeah I, it does have to be an 18 year old grain i want you I mean, obviously because yeah. it's an 18 year old age statement but i just i'm not saying what they're putting in there is bad quality there is some like you said there's 12 dollars blends on the shelf mm -hmm. <laughs> right? that i don't want to touch but um i i just i think we need to spend more time in the grain world in the single grain world and actually do some some young ones some middle-aged ones and then get that would be really those, interesting you know, 30 pluses because they're they're affordable yeah yeah and I, sure. I i don't think my palate is sophisticated enough to nuance those because they're just so light that i just don't pull much out of them. What are you saying? It's not your wheelhouse? No, I will. <laughs> we knew that going into that conversation. It's still a journey. It is right. a journey. It yeah, journey. And, and, and I'll explore. And I think, I think if we can figure out a way to set that up, that would be really interesting. Maybe get some, oh, yeah, we'll have to find some. But, you know, to, to, to finish the conversation on blends, you know, we've gone back and, and gotten in some old blends, right? Some 80s versions blends. And, you know, back in the day, blends were it. Nobody was drinking single malt, right? Yeah. So, I mean, it's kind of funny that the single malts have taken over now and people look down on the blends when they used to be at the top of the mountain. Um, there's still some quality blends out there that are enjoyable and you should have on your bar for the price point. And I don't know why the blends necessarily have um, gone downhill as far as richness and potency and all that kind of stuff. So that, that's a fair question. So did you scroll up just a little bit there? And, and so, yeah, undercover judger. Guys, I think you guys need to get into a big daddy bottle soon. We're due to see a $500 plus bottle. All right. You called us out. I won't disagree with you. You're absolutely right. I'll be honest and tell you that we refrain from doing those bottles for the most part because those aren't bottles that everyday drinkers that people are going to go to a liquor store and buy. And yep. we really are trying to help people on that everyday journey. Doesn't mean we're not against it because we've obviously done a couple of big daddy bottles, right? And I'm all for it, yeah. man. So you guys got to talk the uh, the treasurer of Scotch for Dummies here, the guys with the band, squeak, and he's pretty squeaky. So if you can talk him into dropping 500 on a bottle, or or I'm if you in. happen to get one in the Glendronic, um, what is it, the Kingsman, 
And what it said is like four ounces of it. We do the we do the review and we give you all the credit in the world. <laughs> I want one of those bottles, so I'm not going to tell him when it does come to my house because he's going to want more. <laughs> oh boy! So let's get into a couple more of these comments and then let's dive into uh, to the topic. So Everwind has a question. You would argue that if you had the three ingredients and put them into plastic or steel, even for time, it would be the same spirit. It would be technically still be scotch, but it would not. It would lose about sixty percent of the flavor. So I don't know. Plus, it wouldn't. It would never like mature and settle and take off all that heat and the edginess of it because you wouldn't have the barrel. Yeah. So, <clears throat> now Andro says uh, he read somewhere that grain can make the blend more creamy and highlight the flavor of the malt. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. It would be kind of a cool experiment to do. Well, yeah, I mean that—that's where we've had some of those old, yes. those old grains, and they are—they're—they're they're sweet, they're the light, they're yeah. just—they're very subtle. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, that was it. I mean, at the end of the day, I don't uh, even remember what was scored. I think what was we, it was um, two five. I think it was like two five ish, two point eight, something like that. I don't. I mean, if we exactly. only did a research, or one had an inner device that we could look I up know. the stuff. But <laughs> at the end of the day, it's it's a it's a worthy bottle to buy, and I'm, I mean, I I would have as everyday drinker. I mean, it's actually even better than everyday drinker. I mean, it's an eighteen year old. It is. So. It's, it's finer than that. Full yeah, expensive. Not to tell on myself right now, but I got too many open bottles at home, so I'm not. I'm not. Uh, yeah. Bunker Commander has confessed. I'm not going out to buy any bottles for everyday drinkers. I got to get rid of some of my my everyday drinkers, even though they're not everyday drinkers. <laughs> Two point eight seven five. Two point eight seven five says Tom R. All right, so I'll, I won't have to research that. I'm going to shut it down. So, you guys want to um, eeny meeny miny go on one of these three topics? You know, it's three ingredients. It's not that uh, not that complex. Let's let's think about it from a a production standpoint. What starts first? Probably the barley. Got to go get the barley. Got to grow, grow it. Without gotta, barley, there's nothing. Got to go get the barley and take care of the barley. So, the barley. All right, references. What are we gonna What are we gonna hit? Mark Mark oh, did a lot of research and found one some of the stuff things here. that just the first note that they to talk about barley. I want to make make note of is so there's all these rules right about making scotch. One of which is it has to be distilled where Scotland, mm -hmm. right? Has to be aged Scotland. in Scotland. The barley and does not have to come from Scotland. <laughs> Where do you want it to come from? Well, I'll be damned, right? So um, very little of the barley overall, and if you're looking at the industry as a whole, very little of the barley comes from Scotland. Right, there are some distilleries that are definitely doing locally grown. Um, Brooklady is one of them. You know, there's some. Uh, Kilholman does some. Um, but by and large... Most of the barley comes from the UK, Canada, Australia. Um, so there's very, when you're looking at percentage-wise, there's very little that actually comes from Scotland. article says most of the barley used in Scotch is produced in, in Scotch, English. English, in English right. East Coast. Which um, the English down, down in southern England is the growing season for, uh, for barley is different than up in Scotland. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, Interestingly enough, how many different types of barley are there, right? There's, I want to say, 5,500 different types of barley in the world right now. In the now. world, but not for scotch. No, 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 not for scotch, absolutely not. But we start with the big number, just to give you guys yeah. an idea of where that is. Um, and then what's it really shrink, shrink down to? So um, barley is rated on a 1 to 9 scale 
for what, I don't know, but only the top three are actually considered for distillation pur purposes. Um, and of that, there's like nine or ten barleys that are used for yeah. scotch. Um, that are uh, you should be you should be commander scotch. Right. You know, I mean, I, I did I, I read a bunch of it. The problem is retaining what I read, you guys. Yeah. So we, we're trying to pull this up and and really get into the, some of the details. There are some really good articles out there. Yeah, I mean, ooh, what's that? that? It's a malt blend. So um, Dr. Scotch told me that he was doing uh, doing some research on barley. We're, we put together content for a Dr. Scotch episode that Drew refuses to record. Um, <laughs> that was actually pretty Someone's good. Someone's getting punched. Uh, he went on the offensive that time. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, you could talk about two-row barleys and six-row barleys and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, ultimately, scotch, they need the, uh, the sugars, the starches. They don't want proteins. They're not feeding animals. They don't need any of that. They want as much uh, starch. And so, typically, two-row, I think, is a... It predominantly is. more more uh, six row is is your feed. More protein yeah, yeah. feed, feed. Um, and actually the the bushels per acre is just about the same whether you do two row or six row uh, about about a ton different but out of how many an acre uh, but out of how many tons per acre um, I want to say it was like three tons for six row and two and two tons for it's on one of these articles, okay. guys. So yeah. Trooper Henry says uh, Golden Promise. Ironically enough, Golden Promise really isn't used anymore. It is. It's used more more rarely because it doesn't have the production the yield. yield. Yeah, it doesn't have the yield. Yep. I mean, you're so. Admittedly, these scotch distillers are all about yield. I want to know if I how many liters of spirit can I get per ton of grain, because all that shipping and you're all on an island and you want to ma maximize your profit there. And they really get into the raw details of how much sugar a particular strain of barley, two-row barley, is going to produce. Because the more sugar that it's got, the more that yeast can come in and eat up and turn into alcohol, yeah, right? exactly. Um, it's crazy how they do that. So most of these distilleries do uh, purchase their barley from wherever, but it's at a very detailed and specific standard. Yes. It's not just hey, we're gonna need you know 55 tons. No, it's we need this. Yep, and so they'll they'll <laughs> say that, that they will put out a, you know, a bid. I need so many tons of this barley, and then the then the um, farmers can bid on it. It's like all right, I will take 40 tons or whatever, and of that of that bid, and I'll produce that. Uh, in fact, sometimes the distillers will actually even produce the give them the seed. Or provide the seed, or man, or arrange for the seed to be given to them, so they get the right, uh, right grain. Well, when there are some distilleries we talked about earlier that are actually doing local grown type stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So they're actually controlling exactly what kind of barley. And to me, if I'm a, a, an owner of one of these big distilleries, that's a little more risky. Mm -hmm. That's definitely more costly, and you're definitely putting yourself out there a little bit more because there's more variables that can go wrong on you when as opposed to you just purchasing from somebody else that this is exactly what i want so you know what you're getting they're growing this and they're hoping that things go out right and they're hoping they get the yield so many uh, bushels per acre or whatever you know tons however they weigh it um it's it seems more risky to me i guess maybe that's why those bottles are actually more costly if you look at like a spring rank local barley 
Costs well, yeah, makes little, sense. Cost is a little more jacked up you, on that bottle. Right. You pay more per grain, yeah. Right, exactly. So anyway, tell me now now we've got this bottle. There's there's I think there's ten different types that are actually used in Scotch malt uh, mm -hmm. Scotch whiskey production. Um, obviously there's like two or three that are really popular and almost all the distilleries use. But once they purchase this this barley, whatever strain of barley it is, here we go, we get it. What do they do with it? Let's talk about what happens to this barley. First, right? you gotta malt it. You gotta malt it. All right, so single malt, that's a big word. What did, what's malting mean? Basically, you want the grain to sprout. So you take that barley, you soak, you saturate it in water, uh, bring the alcohol or the water content up to like 45%, I think it is, in the in the grain itself. So it comes in about, see, this is all Dutch Scotch stuff. No, it's okay. If, if he was only here, it'd be great. Um, so it's He's like, here in it, it comes in at like 12 or 13% uh, water content, and then they soak it in water and they, basically wash it all the time, bring it up like 45% and then put it in a on the floor and keep it warm and just let it sprout essentially. So those seeds are literally opening up and they're yep. they're thinking they're getting ready to grow into the ground. We're tricking it. Yeah, I mean, there's even graphics that, that they, there's uh, reports where they've, they've sliced the the grain. You can actually see the, the endosperm growing and all that kind of stuff just to get the perfect uh, growth pattern because at that, while it sprouts, it creates all the enzymes. All those enzymes that convert that starch to sugar, and that's what they need. And you have to stop that. In this. You that's can't let not. it go too far. No, because because as it grows, it eats up all the starch. Right, it, to, to continue to grow. Yeah. So they, they get it, and then they stop it. They're like, hey, put the brakes on that. This thing's ready. Then they take it, and they dump it into a big old vat, if you will, or a barrel, or, I mean, what do they call what? it? A, a wash tun? Well, they got to dry it first. Oh, okay. So they dry. Yeah. So when they might peat it. I mean, they, that's what yeah, they so, might dry. So then, the then they'll dry once it once it's sprouted to a certain level. It's, they dry it, and you got to get all the little roots off. That's all what the kills it. off. Yeah, they dry it. Okay. It kills it. It kills the grain. You got to knock off all the little rootlets because that's worthless. It doesn't create any. So where they just value. turn it. Yeah, essentially. It, yeah. Monkey shoulder it. Monkey shoulder it. Okay. All right. So now it's dried. It's ready to actually start making alcohol from it. Yes. Throw it into this big old... Grind it up. Make it into a, like a, a rough flour. Okay. And that's when it gets dumped in and they start mm -hmm. adding water to it. Add water. Got to add a ton of water. Mm -hmm. So I guess we should talk about the water. Because now the water's coming into it, right? Yeah, is barley done at that point? Essentially, yeah, they've done at all the it end can do. Of the, right. Barley is ready to be converted, really. I mean, and after it's converted, it's really pretty much yep. pitched. So you've talked a little bit about water to... I guess the water to mash it or to... Malt, it doesn't matter too much. No, there are two out. different types of waters when you're talking about distilleries, though. Um, there's, you know, th there's your water for cooling, like condensing water, and there's your water that actually ends up, right, you know, in the bottle. I mean, yep. Um, so let's just talk about, we don't care about the water for cooling because at the end of the day, it, it never matter. touches. It's got to be mineral free because you don't want to foul the heat exchangers and things like that, but we won't go on that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, if we want to do, so next week, it'll be a full topic on water. And the mineral content needed for cool. Yeah, yeah, you got you we'll got to start. You're talking a little bit too technical there. I know. So there's there's really two times water is important: fermentation and well. Why is everybody picking on me tonight? By the way, I'm not man. Fermentation and really diluting, quite honestly. Wine light. Is where it comes see from. So with with fermenting, I got a bottle. I got a little container yes, here of five two pH stabilizer. So. But you see, for for yeast to work, you need to, you want the um, and to mash and all that kind of stuff to, to dissolve the starch. 
you want to have a certain um, acidity to it. So this is a, actually a buffering agent you can put into your water that'll create a little bit of pH buffering at, at roughly five. Um, I don't. I wouldn't taste no. that. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a you, you, you use like one tablespoon per five gallons in yeah, a, you know, when you're burying. I'm so. like, hey, what? Put, the, a, put <laughs> in there as a little, you know, diffuser for your scotch. This is uh, maybe hazardous. Food grade buffering phosphates. So, like, yeah, keep that away from me. Uh, so, so what about worm tubes? Oh, well, well get, that's different. We'll that's, get to that, that that's stuff. That's right. So, that's true. We're, you're All right, so, so, so you need you need. Clean water, and you need minerals. There's a little bit of minerals in there for the yeast to grow on. But the acidity... The acidity helps with get the enzymes working and helps the yeast grow. They want a neutral. pH 5-ish. So it's a little on the acidic side. Okay. Not, not complete right. neutral, a little so bit acidic. When you look at water sources for distilleries, it varies across the... Scotland, yes. right? I mean, vastly, you know, right? So you go from the, the Northern Highlands all the way to Isla, the, the water sources are, are vastly different. They come from, what, a couple different places. Locks, rivers, which they don't call them rivers, I even think, you know. Yeah. Um, and, um, I know what you're talking about. Uh, Rune, runes or something? Yeah, there's some, some names. So there's basically three different sources. Honestly, one of the articles I, I read said that some distilleries literally pull the water from the local municipality. Yeah. Which, hey, you know, I guess they can do that too. They're definitely not going to be in the marketing bra bragging about, you know, their water. Yeah. <laughs> yes, uh, well, our water searches from Loch Bitter that, that, but that has it's that triple it, that is a, th <laughs> right. a thousand feet deep and has um, more water than all of Scotland uses in a week. No, well, it. they say, though, the water, you know, the water sources themselves is only about 2% of what you're going to get out of the. But, it's, but what you don't think about is. It, What's one of the coolest things about scotch in general, right? Is it's just the environmental stuff, all about it, and and the water plays a big part of that because there's certain yeah. environment, you know, certain parts of the land it flows through that it gets into the taste of the whiskey, and it's mm -hmm. a, especially with limestone, you know, taking minerals out, maybe taking too much out or not enough, etc. So I mean, it's it's an important part, and it's it's really important why they pick certain sources of land around it because they want to kind of encompass that into their scotch yeah and then part of that you know as far as the flavor of the whiskey i think that probably the biggest influence in the flavor of the whiskey is what it does to the yeast and the nutrients that come in with it and um depending on the perfect environment for the yeast they will produce different esters and other aldehydes and stuff that, that will m make a little bit of different flavor in that in that mash you lost me on aldehyde i don't <laughs> But Flavors. so flavor, flavor. You, you hit the number on the article that 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 kind of made me scratch my head when I was reading about two percent, two percent of the flavor of the scotch that you're getting, and they're saying in, is imparted from the water. And I find it, I, I gotta argue that there's gotta be a little bit more. If the water is different, I doubt it. No. If the water source is different and actually has a complete and utter different, if I take water from the Northern Islands and I go down to Isla and I take a glass of water and I drink both of them, you're telling me I'm not going to notice a difference at oh, all? Oh, you will. Absolutely. And but so that, how does that not translate? Because once you, when you distill it, it the alcohol comes over and a little bit of the water comes over. Yeah. And what, and the stuff that makes the, the um, water taste different is the minerals and the the solids that are in that water, which don't come over when you distill it. So all the all the but salt, you're still flavoring, the, you're still flavoring, you know, the barley and stuff, right? As far as the water process or not? A little bit. I mean, you, you may create a, a few different flavor uh, components that come over in the distillate, but the water itself 
doesn't add flavor. So and, and you can what they can do is, is what you can do is you can take um, highly purified water and then you add the minerals back you want. Mm. And then and, and so you create nutrients for the yeast and then they will produce consistently what you want them to do, whether you're pulling it from a tap water, uh, a tap source or whatever. Now you gotta you gotta take out the chlorine and stuff like that if you're building from a tap system because you don't want that to kill the yeast, but in general, it doesn't add flavor. And then, so so though all the components in the whiskey do affect the fermentation, but then the other key where water is probably more, almost more important, is when you dilute it. So these come off the stills at 60, well, they, they barrel at 60 some percent, but they come off the stills at, at higher than that. So they add some water to barrel, and then they add water again to dilute to put in the bottle. Now uh, that, that water, flavor, yeah, but that water that they use is not, it's, it's not from their water source. Exactly. It is highly purified. Right. And, and intentionally highly purified There's because the, if you have minerals and stuff in that, you're going to get cloudy. It's going to make, make the whole point of maturation useless. It, it, you're going to cloud your water, right. or cloud your whiskey and things like that. So you've just gone through chill filtering or not, and then you put in mineral water and then it makes a cloudy whiskey. And so, it, so oh that stuff, highly, the, the water you put in there, for coming off the still mm -hmm. and for diluting into to, for bottling is all a really high purified reverse osmosis water kind of stuff. So yeah, they're saying the same thing. Yeah. So, yeah. so that's where the water doesn't really add that much flavor. So water's kind of there because it's liquid, but yeah. So you're at the end of the day, you're agreeing that two percent is that's probably, probably a right. sound number. Yeah. Huh. Hmm. It does so, but, but it does sound good though when you think about the Of earth course and it does. It's it's a stuff. total marketing thing. Yeah. Huh. Well, the, the other thing that we didn't talk about, so and, and maybe I guess you kind of did when you said minerals, but they, they prefer soft water as opposed to hard water. Um, According to what I read, most distilleries, for, there are some that, that do use harder water sources because of limestone and stuff like that, but for the most part, for the fermentation process and the pH level, they prefer soft water is what I've read. So, well, see, that's weird because... Um, Depending on where, where you read, in um, in Kentucky, it's all hard water. It's oh, absolutely, limestone it's water all limestone because water. that all that provides all the minerals that give you that great um, yeast growth. Whereas a hard water mm. or a soft water is typically more alkaline, and maybe I don't know. So that, that it, see that's where so pick pick a um, a source and look at bu bunches of them because it's not always perfect. So at the end of the day, then, so from a production standpoint, water is absolutely imperative. It oh, has, it's critical. You, you have to have sure. it. So, yes. it's, so it's part of the conversation tonight. However, the part that plays in and the actual flavoring or anything in the whiskey is minimal. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I, and I will say, yes. you guys, if after reading several articles on each one of these ingredients, each one of these topics, I will say there was information that was fighting each other. There, there was stuff that you'd read one on one article that says something and you go read another article that said the exact opposite and you're like, what the, I mean, who do I believe here? So you had to dig into more yeah. articles. You had really, it's, there's a lot of opinion out there when it comes to this. So we had a good question here, a comment from M. Uh, I read somewhere that a water source in contact with peat in nature can add to the peated taste of whiskey independently or in the smoking process. So, good point. I actually read it very specific to that point uh, in one of the articles that said no, it doesn't. 
that, huh. it, that even though like water sources that are going through peated, um, peated bogs and, and whatnot and very like an isla, that the water going through it really doesn't have an uh, effect on the, the phenol, phenols or the peaty taste of the scotch at all. Yeah, I, I can go back and forth on that because if there if there is some phenols that are in that mash that you make, that you bring over into to stuff to distilling process, it can carry some over because the phenols you put in to your barley come over. I mean, those distill over as part of the distillation process. So why would the the phenols in the water not do the same? So again. It's a, it's a good discussion point, <laughs> right? If, if you ask three distillers, you'll get five answers on, on what the, what the, the importance of water. So. Pour them two more drams and you get five more answers. Exactly. <laughs> so, well, so Nurse Dave said, well, if smoke, if, well, if smoke as scent and taste will come over with the alcohol, why wouldn't any scent and taste come over with the water? Well, and th that's correct because if phenol is a high boiler, it would come over, it would, it would distill over with the, with the alcohol. That's why you get, you, you, smoke and um, the barley, then that goes into the mash that ferments, and then it, when you distill that, it brings out a peated over. I, I so think, it should. I think uh, water going through peat doesn't produce the same effect or taste that burning peat and putting it into the barley, the smoke and the oil. Yes, yeah. that is probably true, because you get a concentration of that effect in the burning of the peat. There's Fair a lot, point. A lot of chemical stuff. Fair point. Here. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's I, I honestly. Sounds like we could have a whole discussion about that. <laughs> yeah, right. Dr. Scott, I mean, maybe set a fire. You got any peat down here, Drew? We can let's spark this thing. Let's up. see if this works. <laughs> spark one off. We'll have to take right. this uh, hey, show out it. to the fire pit and, and see what happens. So, all right, now we've put some water in and we've cranked up the temperature, and this barley is doing this, this what? mash and stuff. It's, it's just getting there, warm. Warming up. But we got to add something else. Too warm. But we still have to add something else for, for the, the active ingredient, if you will. It's the Kickstarter. Right. What, what's what's the spark that starts all this? I don't know. What is it? Is it same thing in bread? It's the same thing in bread, but there's not. It's not the same thing in bread when it comes to distilling. No, <laughs> it's not just your normal yeast. It's a specific. No. So distiller's yeast. yeast is different than pretty much any yeast you can deal with. I mean, the, so the funny thing is, um, even distillers will say, distilling for or brewing for distilling is easy. Brewing for beer is hard <laughs> because when you brew for beer, they're tasting your beer directly. And so that yeast is really important and you need, you know, you can do all sorts of weird English yeasts and stout yeasts and, and pale ale yeasts and all these kind of things that create a different flavor profile. Well, with distilling, you lose all that. Most You lose most of that when you distill it. Sure. So yeast is probably less important, but it can create some, some components. So, but isn't yeast like derived from like one master well, yeast yes, but let's back up even further. Let's go way back. Let's take that the history timeline, you know, 1950, pre-1950s, right? Um, they were using brewer's yeast and they were using various different breeds. Yeah. And, and so um, sometime in the 1950s, they come up with a strain of yeast. And I'm just, I don't know if that's the actual name. It's called M. Uh, and basically from that, that period, from the 1950s on, it's that strain. That's like the main. The, the DNA from that strain is what is used in Scotch whiskey all across the board. Not so much in the American whiskey, in the bourbon world, um, where they are actually there are distilleries that literally culture and have their strain of yeast, and it's like you know the Holy Grail. They keep that little thing alive, and they keep pulling off of it to make more yeast. Yeah. 
What, that's not what happens in the Scotch world. It's all this one strain. There's a few variations of that strain, I guess. Yeah, because you know, as strains, yeast are notorious for changing their DNA. They adapt, and and so they'll get mutations and things that will change their what they put out. So, depending on the um, distillery, they will be very careful about the culture, or they'll kind of let it go and let it kind of drift. And that may be reason why um, the blends are so much. Better in the '70s because they had a different yeast strain, essentially. Okay, than they I do see. now. But but right now, I think it's probably more of a of a science and uh, than an art that you pretty much want to add a same shot of the same yeast every time if you can. Okay, so they don't change the yeast recipe. Generally, not. I mean, most of these distillers you talk to, they will try and create the same new make every time and then use barrels to kind of change their recipe, with the exception of like. Balvini will do a peat week and things like that. Balconis will do peated. So I watched the show years ago. I, I can't remember the guy the show, Whiskey Traveler or something like that. He he went on just all over the world and stuff and he found this this place in Germany and they made beer and he went to that this house that where the yeast derived from and it was downstairs in this old cottage in a, in a refrigerator tucked back in the black. I mean it's like been there for like hundreds and hundreds of years. Are we talking this type of yeast for over there as well? Well, you scrape it off the wall. I don't care. <laughs> they basically have some secret yeast recipe that they always start with that. Oh, I know. Budweiser is very careful about the yeast strain they use for Budweiser. I mean, it is, it is the exact and they strain. Be. It, well, <laughs> so that, that's the thing. So they're they're working on yield. So beer brewers are the Those same sponsors way. Sponsors up there. <laughs> it is, that, is that they have? Yeah, I guess we'll write them off. Um, <laughs> Because hey, when, when I when I uh, was in Missouri, we did a um, chemical engineering tour of Anheuser Busch Brewery in St. Louis, and they have a locked a locked lab and incubator where they where they keep their yeast, and it is there's like two people in the company that have the key, and they start it's from like the a queen bee. It is key, absolutely key inside. Right, turn one, two, three, turn yeah. open it up. It's crazy. And, yeah, because they want this. They want a consistent product, and so they use the same yeast brand every time. Yeah, so this this yeast, this when you add the, all the different variables, whether it's yeast, the pH level, mineral level mm -hmm. of the water, all that. the variation and yield of the barley, and 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 how much it, how much sugar it produces, all of that, all those variables are what make up the recipe for the new make of a specific distillery. So I'm distillery A, you're distillery B. I, I have a new make recipe that I want to produce the same new make every time. My variables differ from yours, whether it's yeast, whether it's water, and, is, and, and hardness, softness, pH level of that water, and the type of barley and how much sugar that barley produces, all of that changes the effect of my new make. Absolutely. And one of the things that I think we didn't talk about was the temperature of the fermentation. Um, does it regulate? Does well, it depends on who you talk to because I know when, when you're brewing beer, the temperature does, it makes a huge effect. And you want to, if you, if you do it too warm, then you get certain flavors. If you do it too cold, you get certain flavors, um, all that kind of things. But according to the, the couple of articles that, that uh, Mark produced, they don't control really that much. And, I, and quite honestly, I think that's, um, Whenever you have like a, a wooden washback fermentation, then that is, you don't really have much temperature control. 
And so it can be anywhere from 20 degrees C to 33 degrees C, depending on the temperature of the day in their room while they're doing the fermentation. So I, I, <laughs> well, I would think that has more of a secret recipe too, as far as what they heat it to. But at the end of the day, there's a, probably a certain amount they have to go to, right? For it to yeah, it's got to be, it's got to be essentially room temperature for the yeast to grow. Right. Right. But, and if you go above 40, then you got I, I mean, somebody mentioned earlier, it's kind of like KFC spices. It's really a combination of so many totally different things. different things, yeah. That's what makes it kind of unique. But, that's the same, but the same concept for the most part, you've mentioned a few times, is the same concept in making beer. It is. Okay. Yep. Essentially, uh, right? And it's not, not quite, it's a step further, if, if you will, right? They distill it. That's the big difference, Correct. right? So yeah. uh, Sunday Evening Scotch says... Um, it's a serious business. Wild turkey's yeast is old AF. And that's true. That's, how old is Is that like AD or is that BC or spell that Are out? Are you trying to be funny here? <laughs> Next message. What do you smell? Oh, so, what's this? What you, Look, I, I wanted to point this out. KB, son of a gun. Cheers to good yeast, yes. It's good to see you, my friend. Because without yeast, there would cheers. be nothing in the glass to Cheers, gents. Cheers, KB. Thank you, sir. Good to see you on. Because mm. you can make a weak beer. Mm-mm. Mark that is a good dram. The green. Wow. Oh no, this that, isn't the, that, yeah, it is. yeah, the green SMWS. actually is good, good too. I'm gonna have a little bit of that malt. I'm savoring that at SMWS because it's it's, it's so sweet flavorful. and rich and flavorful. You so, with a lot of water. We've taken it from where did we start? We started with barley, barley. and then we went into water and yeast. And at, at the end of the day, that's kind of like a high fly through level of what it takes to make a scotch, right? It's the main ingredients. You can't make scotch without those. Right. So, I mean, technically, that's a lie. That's what it takes to make distill it, new make, because yes. it's not scotch yet. True. Right. That's you need to make vodka, too. Right. So, production, <laughs> the production of scotch. Yeah, we've got it to that point. Now we need to talk about the next step of putting it in some barrel and aging it for at least three years inside the borders of Scotland, and then oh. we can call it. Do they do it. that? Then we can call it scotch. Barrels are important. Well, I no. mean, yeah, wood. That'd, is be, hey, we that'd be a, a good show on barrels. That'd be that a good topic. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I mean, so we 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 talked. You got we got you to that point. The do make the distill it. We've got this white lightning coming out of a still, and it's awesome. And what are we gonna do with it before we can bottle it and call it scotch? We've got to age it for three years somewhere. At least. Right? At least three years somewhere. Yep. Um, and I, I'm curious to, to, to even start the conversation of what the cost of that was. What did it take us to get here? But The production yeah. cost oh, to the maturation. Man. Right, just to, to, before we even barrel it. So we've got white light coming out of the stills right now into the spirit safe, and we're watching it. How much did that liquid cost us to this point? I don't know. I mean, it, I, well, I'm sure it's up there a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. And, and a lot of, honestly, probably a lot of it is capital costs and labor costs. Yeah. It's not necessarily the grain, the barley, because I, I, you know, I was doing some research and I did find like how many water's free, <laughs> water essentially. But well, the thing about water is it's like what a hundred gallons per liter of whiskey or something like that. It takes water between um, mash, between mashing and or uh, between malting. The water to saturate the grain to malt it, then you dry that out, then you grind it, then you mash it to ferment or to get the starch out, and then you add more water to ferment, and then, water. and then you yeah. um, distill it, and you need cooling water to, to do that. That's right. And then you need cleaning water to clean out all your equipment. I mean, yeah. there's tons of water that's needed. And so there's that. 
Richie, Richie Z. Z, thanks, buddy. So Sean is uh, Sean's basically working late tonight. He's got uh, he's he's actually opening a second restaurant right now, so he's working on that. So uh, we 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 hope to see him maybe later, but we're not, it doesn't look like it at this point. This so idea. yeah, it's not looking. We miss good. him, but, but Richie, for, thank, thank you, you man. It's good to see you too, Richie. I haven't talked to you in a long time, man. Hope you're doing well. Hmm. So I'm trying this this malt. So this is a blended malt, by the way. There's uh, obviously Johnny everybody Walker. knows Johnny Walker Green. Green. Everybody knows Johnny Walker Green is a is a blended malt. This is the Island Green, which is a blended malt as well. Travel retail, I believe. Tra you bought this. I did on a cruise, a cruise, dude. Yeah, I did. Back, when, back when people could cruise. Don't you wish you were back? You can in cruise the right now if you want to. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I want to. To take a little cruise, maybe a little one, but uh, yeah, it's actually it's good. I forgot how good it was. I'm glad I actually have two bottles. Look, I'm of the green island green. Yeah. Wow. I didn't know you bought two bottles. Look at you getting all freaking geeky on us, man. So I got a few back there. So but, um, let's wrap so up. You were, you were talking about water. Did we? I cut you off a little bit. You talked about the the mass per, the the water concentration value as far as how much. Oh it yeah. Takes. So I I don't remember the exact number, but but yeah, there's lots of water that goes into it. And only a few, a little bit of it is actually in the whiskey. Right, yeah. that makes sense. So, they, but the good thing is, most most distilleries, it's like any distiller really tries to get a close to a water source. Well, I know mm -hmm. we were at Castle and Key uh, down in uh, Kentucky, and that was one. That was a really cool man. Uh, it was. Man, that cool. was such a really cool tour we got of distillery. It's the same kind of concept anywhere when you make distillery, but it's just it's so important when they pick locations to look at the water source. Yeah, it's absolutely imperative because they they want something rich in limestone. To pull out a lot of those minerals and stuff, and obviously, you know, they come coming from the hills, etc. And so, to your, to your point, though, I mean, it takes a lot of water, so you, you want to be close to a water source. Yeah. It's a lot of water. I mean, even moonshiners are close to water, so they can cool their they condense their, uh, their stills. I so. mean, it's liquid. What's the liquid well, in there? Right? Again, the moonshiners need it for for cooling to to condense the vapor. Sure. Condense the still, and that's what's a big deal. And there's lots of ways to do that, and that's where. The worm tub, tub, or tub that was um, mm -hmm. mentioned really early, where you basically run the, the copper into a big coil in this big drum, and you trickle water into it, and that cools the distillate and create, you know, takes it from vapor into liquid, and you can collect that. Stills so. E and Kevin Bloom. I'm just calling out a few new names that I see in the chat. It's good to see. Hey, Travis Faircloth. You're killing me, man. You're killing me, Travis. Love you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> He's helping me grow my scotch collection. Yeah, yeah, that's a bunker commander. One there. bottle at a time. That's yeah. not so true. So we've gone through. I mean, it's been a pretty good conversation so far. Yeah. We geeked out a little bit. We probably, hopefully, you guys have stayed with us a lot. Um, but <laughs> Sorry. No, no, it's good. I mean, yeah. I, I appreciate it. It's good for replay as well. So I mean, the three major ingredients. Have we left anything else? Do you want to talk about the next level? What happens after this? Well, that's that's the next conversation. Honestly, I mean, because that's a whole another conversation. And we talked talk about, about still shape and all that. Well, before. we didn't really get into still shape. We have before. Somebody did bring it up in the comment. And to One answer a comment, yep. uh, KB, yes, the hardness does does definitely make a difference in how much uh, uh, what happens during fermentation as far as how much sugar can be converted right. into alcohol. And then what? What when you add that water back to dilute, either for barreling or bottling? Sure, makes a big difference. So there is a, a difference in that. But the next step, as to your point, Drew, is is the maturation process. And and you know where do we put this new distillate? What do we do with it now? What we got this white lightning? Where do we put it? And where do we store it? How do we do that? Um, and then when do we finally make the determination to put it in some bottle? And what does that mm. mean? So yeah, there are some. 
for that's something we haven't talked about is aging and the Rick House versus the India versus Taiwan versus, versus Scotland, you know, Kentucky. Well, that's a all whole the different. Con- that could all, be you a know, whole do you do night, it in actually. a Rick House? Do you do it in a Dunwich House? That is a on really a coast next to the sea. Uh, there's there's all kinds oh, of influences that's that's that, that is for a good, a good show, really, yeah. because we could talk for a good hour on that one at least. Easily. I mean, oh man, when I think about Especially that, when you get into different areas of you know, scotch. I can remember talking to Malcolm and Steph about one of the Dunwich houses at Old Pulteney, and you know, it's like famous. It's like this one wall of this one area of the Dunwich house. That I mean, it's. It's the oldest, dungiest, you know, <laughs> human. Uh, it gets but the most work, right? You, you think about you going to India and think about how they have to rotate casks. Well, Kentucky the same Say, way. Yeah, Kentucky. I mean, they, you get a cask up at the top of the Dunwich House, you ain't keeping it up there mm-hmm. long, buddy. You better get it that. I mean, they you, they need a like, conveyor belt. <laughs> I mean, I've, I visited um, Maker's Mark, and what they I think they age for four years in the middle, and they, they or age for. So if if, you're, if the barrel is in the middle of the dun, or of the the rick house, they can do it for four years. If it's in the top, they can only keep it up there for like eighteen months. Or well, something. yeah, like two years, and then they have to move it to the bottom. Then once from the bottom, move up to the top, so they catch up. You know, it's it's <laughs> it's all aged four years, but they have to move them if they're in different parts of the of the, of the rick house. Yeah, so that that's a whole other conversation, and it could be broken into several conversations when you talk about. You know, um, first fill, refill, shaved, toasted, uh, you know, um, (laughs) and some of these, we we talked about it a little bit earlier. I don't know if it was on the show or pre-show, but we were talking about um, like sherry barrels that are... They're they're not even they're what are they calling season season not even no there was no they're um, sherry uh, influenced or something what like. Yeah, yeah they're sherry oh, treated. It's right. fake. It's fake. It's, it's like, like candy coating. Well, they spray it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, I mean, but that's because they're just real Scotch barrels. So, is it even legal to pump sherry into a barrel and then pressurize it to push the sherry into the wood? Sure and it then, is. It is. Yeah. So, sure I, it is. I mean, that's. But the thing is, you know, when you read hey, these Master labels, Trump. and we're getting off a tangent here, but when you read, you read these bottles, you're like, sherry cast finish and all that, blah, 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 blah. You don't really know exactly what the process is. Right. You're tr- there's a lot of trust there, right? And then that's yep. that's part of the journey, though, is understanding, you know, kind of, you, you kind of have um, a rapport with these distilleries and be like, oh, yeah, I they produce good stuff, and some of them may not, and or you're not, you're not sure of. And then you know, you really, you're, you're on the journey to find out what really is the best bang for your buck on flavor profile. If somebody says to me, this is the best sherry cask confluence I've ever had, and you find out that it's treated or something like that, you're like, well, I, okay, maybe, maybe I know something Maybe now. just I'm tasting the sherry. Yeah, yeah. right. Exactly. So Bobby so J. Bobby J. Bobby thank J. Thank you, man. Thank you, Bobby J. I think, actually, he gave us an opportunity to try a, uh, a grain. He did? Yeah. Oh, we got a bottle of grain. Um, what am I going to drink? I've had everything on the bar here. Well, I've got to hit that island green here. Well, so look for something in the back there. I want to don't let him. Jay. Don't let him go that way. He can go wherever he wants to. I don't care as long as his some balls. He knows better not to. Open yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> as I, long I, as the papers or the foils off, he can open it. Right. <laughs> if the foils not off, don't open it. Bananas. Yeah, we with sprinkles. We hope you guys uh, enjoyed the show tonight. We got on a little tangent, some nerdy talk there, but it's sometimes it's kind of fun to get in these topics. And well, I mean that's you know if you if you like whiskey. What we talked about today, uh, you know, approaches all whiskey, whether it be bourbons or American whiskeys or whatever, because they all need water, they all need yeast, oh, and they all. Well, I'm sorry, last one over there. I'm sorry, I'm, this one's and they all need grain. Now, admittedly, 
depending on who you talk to, do you need barley? You, do, you actually do need barley because barley, the malted barley is what provides the enzymes for all whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> Zach, yeah. Yeah. thanks. So I owe Bobby J a toast. Thank you, sir. And Zach Andrews, I owe you one as well. Thank you. <laughs> what do you want, KB? Mm. What's he doing, Drew? But mm -hmm. you were talking about barley. Yeah, you know, we got into Yeah, so, so so the barley is so that malted barley is what produces the enzymes mm -hmm. for really all um, all grains. So if you put corn in there, you need the enzymes from the barley to be able to do that. If you do put rye in there, you need the enzymes from the barley. To convert those starches, because there's other grains don't have the as much as, as high potency of the enzymes as the barley so, does. So man, I don't know how much time we had to ask the question, but now you're you're really confusing me. Now I mean, didn't even give it any thought in researching any of this because yep. I was researching Scotch. But let's take it over to the to the American side. All right, bourbon. It's 51% corn, right? Yes. You're telling me that corn doesn't produce the starches that can be converted. It has the starches, but it doesn't have the enzymes that convert. So, at least not at the potency and um, consistency of barley. Really? So, at the end of the day, a bourbon is 51% corn. It's got a high percentage of barley as well. To not help. necessarily a high percentage. You don't need that much. So, if you use a, a barley, a malted barley, that's got a high enzyme content. And I, I don't know, I forget what the, hell, okay. what the term is. You can add like... 5% barley and 80%, 90% corn, and it'll have enough of the, of the enzymes to be able to convert all that starch. Because you, you need to malt something to get those enzymes going. You can't just take corn. So they know, don't feed. malt corn. I don't think I know of malting corn. I don't uh, think they do. This, malted, uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't, I mean. a malted corn for so you. So what other kinds well, of there is a malted let's, corn? Because I think like mellow corn, I think maybe yeah, mellow corn. Really? Yeah, if Bud Matthews is on, he would be able to tell us. Yeah, so, I mean, we got some bourbon guys that could probably we tell th us. We think about other different, what are the other grains, right? So barley, obviously scotch, scotch. But so we get over here on this side of the pond, you know, what What else are we we're talking about? We'll name some other grain. Let's go over well, to Scotland. You have rye, you not, have not wheat. Barley, you so have, you can have a rye scotch, technically. No, because, uh, yes, you can. Why can't because, you have a rye scotch? Uh, is that in the list of available legal grains? Yes. You did a grain whiskey from rye? Yep. Well, I, I, that's Maybe. the case. You think you would steal one by now. Yeah. I, I just think don't so. think they're, they're I, you can have it. I mean, it's just like any, so what's a single grain? We know what single malt is. What's a single grain? You, you know it is single grain. Name the grain. It doesn't have to be a single grain. So a single grain means that it's a, Grain whiskey from okay, so a single distillery. Name another grain that they use then. Wheat. Okay. Rye. Okay. Corn. Rye. Corn. Yeah. So why can't we just use all rye? There's got to be a reason. We're just you can. Uh, no, I think you but can. But it's, st it's still and, and a grain. That, I read that in one of the articles I was reading about the barley. I, the point blank said you can have a single, you can have a rye scotch, and I was like, really? I never heard of one. Not saying they're not yeah, out there. Corn rye. Wheat and barley is pretty much mostly yeah. Uh, bourbon. Yeah. Often they choose either rye or wheat. Yeah, like um, Maker's Mark is wheated, um, while turkey is rye, and so that's kind of their right their thing. Right. It's just interesting. I mean, obviously, we um, my mind and my my passion and love is in the barley world, so yeah. I really don't pay much attention to that. We did a tour of G a Widow Jane, remember in Jersey, mm -hmm. um, and they were using blue corn. It was it was. 
that was some crazy. I was like, what? What are you doing with that yep. stuff? But well, yeah, that was, was cool. interesting. It was very cool. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, we are probably getting close to winding up, and it was a, actually a fun little journey of a conversation to go through how do we make I, scotch. I just want to say to this guy in the middle here, I think we need to start filming you, because you're really good at this I stuff. I keep trying, but you won't. I oh know. I, you know. <laughs> so now there's no excuse. Up. I have it all no, set up right here. No, it's, it's true. I... I so it, really it's, good this stuff, it's really easy to talk when you have people asking questions and all this kind of stuff and I got some notes. But, but when you put that camera on me by myself, I'm like... It's <laughs> funny, five years into this and he freezes looking at the camera <laughs> It's himself. weird. It is weird. Because I, I, I want to you know, engage with you as a, as a viewer, but then I got to look at my notes and I feel it breaks. And so whatever. But we'll, we'll see. We'll make it work for Old you. Portero is malted rye whiskey. What? Look. Who said that? Co-N. Right at the very top of the comments. Scroll up just a wee bit. My mouse is messing up. Right there. Oh, yeah. And it, I mean, I, oh. I want to get a bottle of it. I just want to taste it. I, I, a sample. I don't right, need a bottle. I just want to... Spiciness and yeah. What the hell does that taste like, right? I mean... Hmm. Interesting. It's You can geek out on this to the nth degree. Because I'm, <laughs> I'm stuck in the Who's scotch world. Out? You want to go to the, to well, the other side. We know each other, so... Who's <laughs> He says that I sound like Dr. Scotch. Yeah, they're close buddies. That. Close buddies. They hang out. They drink all right. scotch all together. Time exactly. together. Well, it was a fun show, guys. Good comments. Uh, I appreciate you guys watching tonight. Um, I learned a lot, actually, listening to you guys. It was fun, man. It was a good conversation. The chemistry and manufacturing, all that is cool. It's definitely, a, you know, you, you think about... If you look at what you know, making beer or scotch or whiskey, it's like, oh, just give me some barley, some water, throw it in the tub. <laughs> well, no, no, no. You can. You can. It'd be crap. <laughs> crap. Be crap. But it's really, I mean, honestly, especially when you think about all the things you said tonight. I mean, you geeked out a lot because there's a reason for it. It's a lot of chemistry. I mean, there really is. I mean, there's biochemistry. Oh, there, there's man. some so many. Little things that make up the ingredients and what you're doing, mm -hmm. whether it's heat, whether it's the water, whether it's the barley, whether it's the... I mean, you can go on and on. And so that's why, you know, when you're out there mashing this stuff, those guys are walking around with clipboards knowing oh, every single thing. Yep. Whiskey, uh, wine Light Media. Get there. Scroll up a little bit. Wine Light Media right there. Atop. Wine, no, no. I just poured another glass. Andrew was great tonight. Cheers. See, well, thank you, Wine Light. Like talking about, man. I love talking about <laughs> processes Molly is like Dr. That. Scott. That's right. Sending his scotch. Okay. Molly, that's what it is. All right. So all right, we're right. going to take it over to the post show for a few minutes yep. and see what's going on. But uh, fun show tonight. Let's wrap up. And, and what were the three ingredients that Eric White started us off on? Bagpipes, kilts, and what? Haggis. Haggis. Oh, haggis. Haggis, yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Haggis, oh, and burger. But cheers, everyone at home. Thank you so much for joining in on Thank you, Thursday, Thursday. Podcasters that are listening. Uh, cheers. cheers. We'll see you guys next week. Absolutely. Cheers.